something or did you buy it on your own behalf? I, I bought it um, wow. from a24.com slash shop. Oh my God. Support the merch. Yeah, you gotta. <laughs> you gotta yeah. vote with your dollar with a24. <laughs> sure. So true. Yeah. And we also have a first reformed mug too. I'm, I was all <laughs> oh about God. it. When we, when um, we s- wait, let me show you. This isn't first reformed theme, but I do have, I guess, technically Ethan Hawk fan art. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I had a friend draw a triptych of Before Sunset. Oh, wow. wow. That's really good. He has a very specific style, but I really like it. Uh, and because he was doing like your favorite movie. Mm hmm and that qualified for me so wow that's great oh yeah we're we're all packing yeah yeah (laughs) you can't have enough ethan hawk themed uh items more for sure (laughs) (laughs) okay well uh hi everyone i'm harper i'm jonathan and this is hawkeyes that makes everybody laugh and feel good. You know what I mean? Instead, it's like, but I'm really not funny. No, no, no. Okay. And we're joined today by a very cool uh, writer, comedian, uh, who you may know from the Twitter or the Letterboxd. It's Jossie Kaufman. Hello, everyone. Nice to be here. What an honor. Well, um, I guess we're just going to kick this right off. You just said that Before Sunrise was one of your favorite movies. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about that or your relationship with Ethan Hawke in general? Yeah, I'd love to. I would say that I came on to Ethan Hawke. I mean, later in his career, but like pretty early in my uh, journey as a film watcher, I worked at like an indie movie theater in high school and I was working there when we got before midnight. Oh, wow. Fun. And um, I think that that was like really my first, my strongest impression of him up until that point, because like my manager who I idolized was like, I was like, what's the deal with this trilogy? Everyone seems so excited about it. Like, is this a big deal or something? Cause I was very new to indie movies, I would say. And he was like the before trilogy. I mean, it's just something else. And I think you'll like each movie is <laughs> like, you'll like each movie based on like what point of your life you're in. So I watched them all in college. And then I was like, oh, this is my favorite movie I've ever seen. <laughs> and. <laughs> And then, like, it's like, now I think I'm, like, strongly attracted to this weird, wormy man who I don't know much about. Uh, he's There's something about him. He's got that certain something. I don't know how to explain it. Uh, and, like, since then, I've been on the Hawk train kind of in a heavy way, I would say. Uh, I do not, I, like, I, like, I have almost no concept of his film career like, I think the the earliest talk I've seen and really appreciated other than like Dead Poet Society is probably like Reality Bites, which is mm-hmm. his, one of his first like mainstream breakout roles. But other than that, I've kind of like only seen the 21st century hits for the most part. And uh, but I, I really love him. And when Harper, you asked me to be on this podcast, I really wanted to do Juliet Naked. Mm, yeah. <laughs> which I heard was reserved for a special someone. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I like, like, um, 
I always think of like I one time I went to Austin by myself to like go to the uh, Austin City Limits the festival and mm-hmm. I was like so nervous it's my first time traveling and I like like to figure out what to do I looked up like Ethan Hawke's guide to Austin restaurants <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it's like an Austin eater uh thing yeah right? that, yeah uh, yes yeah you know the article <laughs> yeah I, and I like went to his favorite like vegan Mexican restaurant and like I ate like vegan queso and I was like I think I'm getting the full hawk experience right now <laughs> so I'm definitely a dabbler in hawk culture uh <laughs> wow I yeah. love that so much <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think we've ever tried to go to any of his favorite restaurants. I know, yeah. Was, well, he, they he, were all a certain vibe, and they're like, half of them, like, in the Eater article, he was like, I'm pretty sure that closed. Like, he's, so, <laughs> he's like, so solidly Gen X. It's like, it, it feels like tourism in another generation when you try to emulate what he likes and what his deal is. Mm-hmm. Totally, yeah. He's got a really, yeah. He's got a really particular brand for sure. And I think it works. I'm into it. I like it. I like reading any like long form. Like I liked. I miss all the Oscar. I miss his awards campaign season for mm-hmm. first this movie first performed because it was so fun to get so much like Ethan Hawke media because they were pushing for him to get a nomination he didn't get, which criminal. <laughs> yeah, no, that's just wrong. Yeah. Watching it this morning, I was like, this should have been the one. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I it was really fun to see so many journalists try to describe him. <laughs> <laughs> like They're like, kind of like soulful dad, like he's going to watch the NFL game while painting watercolor. And I was like, <laughs> that's, oh, that's astute. I like that. I want to hold on to that. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. It's been fun to see some of the like, you know, quarantine with his family content. Like they like sing together in their house. I like can't tell if I like deeply resent Maya Hawk or like I want to be her, like I want to be her mom. I don't know. Like I like I read her long form article. I forget. It was like New Yorker or something where she was. Yeah, like, I think there was like a nylon thing that she yeah, did. Yeah, I she think was, that was it. Yeah, they interviewed her while she was staying with Uma Thurman, and I think she's been bouncing back and forth. Yeah, they like romantically described nepotism, and I was like, God damn it! <laughs> 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 Must be nice. <laughs> yeah. I'd yeah, I'd love to be a, a hawk, a hawk child. I think it's so funny that they're like all together, like him and all his kids. They're just. <laughs> It's got to be such a precise vibe in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'd be odd to have Hawk and Thurman as the as the parents for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think well, the other thing that they did together was Ethan Hawk like directed the, the like a music video for one of Maya Hawk's songs. I've seen it. I did the I did the research. <laughs> <laughs> and you can see he does like these like little like romantic push-ins on his beautiful daughter's face, and <laughs> the kids are like playing tambourines. I was just like, oh wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is, I guess, this is how it is. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. And it must be wild. Like, she's had a music video directed by the same person that directed the video for Stay, I Miss You by Lisa Lieb. You know, Ethan Hawke directed <laughs> that video, too. So she's in uh, great company. And then Blaze, the director of Blaze. Yes, the director of Blaze. Are you guys going to watch Blaze? Does it count? Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's actually in it, too. Oh, he is? Yeah, he's the one that's, like, interviewing them on the what radio. 
You guys were doing the podcast during the year where he was just in the press all the time between promoting Blaze and then also First Reform? No. So we kind of started the podcast around that time because we Got went it. to a Q&A for Blaze mm-hmm. um, and oh. we, were, we were so close to him and he was like rushed. Uh, this is like my biggest regret <laughs> is that we couldn't like grab a photo with him when this is happening because oh, it was man. when we were starting to record the podcast. So it would have been like really good to have that like a photo. You'll um, have your time. He's like a, I feel like he's a guy who likes to think of himself as like a man of the people. Yeah. I, like, I would say like, if my favorite Ethan Hawke movie isn't Before Sunset, because I like, of the trilogy, that's the one that I like the best because mm-hmm. it's, it feels the most like tortured, I guess. They like only touch two times or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if it's not that, I actually look to see if you guys did did this and maybe it isn't even on the timeline yet but uh mm-hmm. he's like a talking head in the elvis documentary the king oh oh i didn't know i that. missed that and oh i could gosh. see it being like a technicality not to be involved because he's himself he's not acting it's mm-hmm. not like an ethan hawk film but he is in it more than you'd expect <laughs> um, but i think that that might be my favorite ethan hawk movie because wow. he like says some really salient things in there and i'm like Ethan, we would get along so well. I think <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing it down right now before. Yeah, I, forget I highly recommend. Honestly, like I watch one documentary and then I talk about it for five years. So I've already <laughs> talked about this documentary on other podcasts, and <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever watched it. <laughs> well, it's fun. We'll have to check it out for sure. Yeah, the yeah, only absolutely. one that I think... we have done movies that uh, yeah sound less uh not very Ethan yeah, Hawke. You know, yeah. like we did um, Chelsea yeah. on the Rock. Yeah. Well, we did. We did like the. I think the one that was like the least, the least connected was the silence in the house yeah, of yeah. God. Maya Maxima culpa. It was about like um, <laughs> where he's like tertiarily involved. Yeah, he's a narrator. So it was about um like Ooh. abuse of like by priests of like young deaf children. And was, was it a documentary? Yeah, it was yeah. a documentary oh, on okay, HBO. Okay. Yeah, if you have HBO Max, I think you should be able to watch okay, it. Okay, wow. But it's like him and Chris Cooper and maybe John Slattery and someone else. They're like yeah. narrating for these uh, deaf men that were talking about their experiences. It's so because I, I the episode I listened to preparing for this was the Daybreakers episode, and <laughs> like Fun. you guys have a disclaimer in it where you're like, hey, maybe this isn't kind of like the vibe everyone's going for right now, but like. <laughs> uh, it's funny it seems and then watching this today like to for context in southern california where i live like and you guys live too yeah yeah Yeah, like we are currently i have all my windows shut because of like wild mass wildfire devastation and watching like this movie about climate change and i'm like it i I never really thought of it before but it does feel like especially in his later career i feel like he's been more purposefully choosing like more political things or Mm -hmm. like He's definitely an actor that I think has now tried to channel because he's never been like super. It's weird. It's like he'll be in the purge, but then, like, <laughs> but like, and so like it is interesting because you can tell he has like a political heart, and mm-hmm. so I I definitely felt that watching this movie and it sounds like with that documentary too, like informing his choices as an actor. Yeah, for sure. And I think that, you know, as he's gotten older and like, you know, more famous, like he's, you know, been able to make more more decisions about the kind of roles he does and the kinds of projects he takes on. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, there's he's uh, I think he's like pretty, you know, he tries to use his um, his platform like for in a political way, like on multiple levels. Like he did a short um, 
like a short video once about saving whales in Canada. Like he just because he lives, he has a house. Own. Yeah, he has a house in Nova Scotia or something. And so there's like local whales that were being hurt by like you know fracking or something. So he just like did <laughs> like a like, six minute video this where is my burden. <laughs> yeah, yeah, where he's like walking around the beach in Canada, talking yeah. about the whales. You know, so yeah. he, I think, yeah, he's. He's he's doing it. He's doing some stuff. Ethan, I'm proud of him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Well, let's let's talk first reformed. Yeah, I would love to. You're wearing the hat. I'm wearing the hat. (laughs) Got the mug. Yeah, not the mug here, but the mug is in our house somewhere. Um, Yeah. I know. I should have. I I failed. Um, You just have two miscellaneous mugs, (laughs) unrelated to first reformed, but you are the owner of a first reformed mug. Very important to note. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we first saw it in theaters. We did see it theaters yeah, yeah, in 2018, 17, 18, whenever this was. It was late 2017. Does that sound right? Yeah, I so. yeah. <laughs> it, I think it was like limited release at the end of the year because mm-hmm. I remember it was like hard to find in theaters for a while, I feel like. And then it Yeah, it, it was definitely really... a, a Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah. Take, take, <laughs> yeah. Your, take your family. Yeah, for sure. The... Injected with holiday cheer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm sure we saw it There's, at the landmark. Oh, wait. Maybe this is the... Hold on. It's it definitely to... features Ethan Hawke in a sweater, and I appreciate it for that. Oh, That's yeah. a holiday appeal. <laughs> I love seeing Ethan Hawke in a sweater. I think that sinister that sinister sweater is an iconic Ethan <laughs> yeah. Hawke look. Um, yeah, so I it tried... says yeah. Venice uh, Film Festival was August 2017. Okay. And then in the U.S. it was May 18th, 2018. Oh, I see. Okay. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. So it was a film festival premiere and then... So a summer movie. A fun summer movie. A fun summer movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, did you see it in theaters at the time too? Or No, I, I missed it in theaters. And then it was... I. So I haven't seen Raging Bull. I haven't seen Taxi Driver. So mm-hmm. I'm a little Paul Schrader illiterate and... So I think the narrative of my friends who are seeing it and loving it were like, this is classic Schrader, like <laughs> Schrader at his best, like, I'm, oh, Schrader's killing it. He, oh, he's proven all the haters wrong or whatever. <laughs> uh, and so I just had no attachment to that. And then I think what happened was like at home by myself, I watched the movie American Gigolo, which is like not not, not the most known Schrader, but it stars, uh, oh, it stars Richard Gere, like a super mm-hmm. young Richard Gere. And I just really loved the aesthetic and the tone and everything. So I think that kind of, I used that momentum to push me towards watching First Reformed on Canopy when it came out, because I mm-hmm. use that. This is a streaming service I get for free for having a library card. So yeah. it came on Canopy and I watched it alone in my room. And I think like, definitely the first watch it's like it's like chewing a protein bar like it's the the energy of the film is so consistent and contained that like watching it alone in my room it really felt like doing like a bit of homework and then this is my first rewatch and I was like oh I appreciate this so much more on a rewatch I think because Mm -hmm. you're no longer concerned about like what like is he gonna suicide bomb this church (laughs) like like what's going to happen like and I was more just like really enveloped in the tone and and the the metaphor and the imagery and everything uh so yeah i've had two at home viewings of first reformed personally mm-hmm. nice yeah, yeah so we 
watched this yesterday morning. It was kind of, I felt like it like worked with the way the sky looks right now. I oh, felt yeah. like the kind of, it's not fully <laughs> orange here, but it's like a yeah. not blue. It's, yeah. a, totally. it's odd. Gray. It's gray. Yeah. I feel like that's ideal. It's like ideal viewing conditions would be like during a climate crisis mm-hmm. or like or like during winter on the East Coast. Like, yes. You have two <laughs> options. Yeah. So we hit one of those. Um, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so this is uh, Ethan Hawke is the main character and he's playing Reverend Ernst Toller. Mm-hmm. Um, Great name. <laughs> so good. And he is the reverend at like a small like touristy church basically that's only there because it's so old. And yeah. people don't really go to it, and it's kind of depressing. <laughs> um, and <It's> lightly, <laughs> yeah. And it's in upstate New York or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, one thing I want to say that sweet aspect ratio. I love it. It's gorgeous. Yeah, very pretty. It's very nice. And I, I think this movie just like looks really good. I like. I know there's some like complaints about how it's like digital, and maybe it could have been better on film. But like, I think it like it's a really it's a nice looking I, movie. I think it's justifying the format. Total. It looks really great, and also like, it. I think the setting, the setting begets a digital format to me, mm-hmm. especially like all the shots of like the church control room and like seeing. I just I like the, it. Uh, everything about the setting looks so like church, fluorescently lit basement. Like when they're in the the mega church mm-hmm. setting and everything like that. And I, it really feels like it match. It being in digital matches the ills of capitalism <laughs> that, they're, <laughs> that they're telling us about in it. So yeah, definitely. Like it's a contemporary problem that they're talking totally. about. So it makes sense to be. Yeah, digital. why make it romantic with film? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, as possible yeah so um one thing we see a lot in ethan hawk movies is that he's narrating and yes. we get that again in full force in this movie <laughs> uh he's he's writing in a journal he's you know it's an exercise that he's trying to do throughout the year where he writes in a journal every day that's um, awesome Ethan. <laughs> yeah and i love Ernst. it <laughs> um yeah i like that this is a movie about journaling to me this is first and foremost as a person who's been journaling a lot journaling a lot this is first and foremost a movie about journaling <laughs> nice yeah i mean there is like a lot of like commentary on the from him on the practice of journaling like how he's trying not to cross anything out or like the way that he rips out pages i love when he rips out pages i think it's i like that device a lot Mm -hmm. yeah how how does this match your own uh journey and journaling (laughs) i see my version of ripping up pages i've only ripped out pages once Mm. as a journaler and it was like because when i was when i was like 14 years old I learned that my crush was interested in like my best friend and not me and so in like like emotional terror I wrote on a piece of paper all the things I didn't like about myself (laughs) and I remember like before I went to college I found that again I was like holy shit (laughs) and I was this is dark and I ripped it all out and like like burned it like totally like eradicated it from the universe but other than that Anytime I write anything embarrassing, which is constantly, I just like close the journal and never read it again. <laughs> so my that's my version is I just have like journals that I can open to any page and read and be like, oof, I've actually literally like taken a different color pen and written in the margins like, hey, uh, Jossie in 2020 here. It's not that bad. I promise. I promise. <laughs> so I'm kind of an editor, I guess, of myself when it comes to journaling. 
Wow. wow. That's great. Are you guys journalers? No, yeah. I'm not strong enough. I can't I can't stand <laughs> no. to look at my own thoughts on the page. I've tried it a couple <laughs> times and I just I, I give up immediately. It is like it feels good when you're doing it and then when you read it back, you're like you're like I'm I feel like mostly I'm telling myself like it is not that serious. Like mm-hmm. But then that's kind of the practice of it as you get it out. But I think it works really well as a device in this movie, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in this movie, uh, he's dealing with some pretty serious stuff, I would say. Um, <laughs> pretty, yeah, existential things. Yeah. Um, the main kind of like thrust of this movie is uh, Amanda Seyfried plays a character named Mary, mm-hmm. who is worried about her husband, Michael. Um, and so Mary's- she- Mary's- always be worried about their husbands you know <laughs> <laughs> the beginning of time that's so true uh shout out to my mother mary <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so he she's pregnant and he is concerned about bringing a child into the world uh you know knowing how global warming and mm-hmm. everything is going to affect the world and he feels like it's just irresponsible to bring a human life into that and i totally agree i'm right there with him oh yeah 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 it's it's uh as like a a woman in her mid-20s who's unburdened by marriage or children currently Mm -hmm. like that is definitely something i devote a lot of i mean like i think like I, I've had I've like literally uh, told my boyfriend that whether or not I want kids might depend on the election in November and then even then might depend on more factors so mm-hmm. I think it's weird when I watch this it's just I, I feel like this uh, movie will just feel more and more relevant as years progress yeah and yeah yeah because that is something that I hear people discuss all the time being at the age I am mm-hmm yeah yeah i think the line in particular i i didn't write it down but like michael his character um he says something like you know our social system isn't set up to support Mm -hmm. uh the climate crisis and an epidemic it was just like multiple crises yeah yeah yeah. which and you know and it just hits so different right now with everything that's going on like he's right yeah yeah like getting i mean like like i think the state of California is literally in like four different states of emergency right now mm-hmm. because like Los Angeles has like a homelessness epidemic. Technically, like we have a wildfire emergency. Mm-hmm. We have a pandemic emergency. And it is like I was just talking on the phone with my mom where I was just like, oh, I have like no I think I've realized I have no trust in the government regarding public health (laughs) yeah so like yeah because just like figuring out like okay uh, what uh particles per square inch of air am I like going to just drive somewhere that isn't smoky outside (laughs) and Mm -hmm. contemplating things like that yeah that that line definitely I underlined that one too and yeah yeah I'm I'm very it makes me want to check out Paul Schrader's earlier work too because the script is just so good that's the one it got the nomination for at the oscars mm-hmm. that's yeah. like the one nomination they got yeah i saw taxi driver i think is the only other paul schrader movie i've seen have you seen more it, didn't he do the canyons oh he is did do the canyons movie? that's one of the worst movies i've ever seen <laughs> in my life wait is the canyons the one with Lindsay Lohan? yeah and james dean yeah holy shit I remember reading about that movie and not seeing it, but I did watch it's that awesome movie. that you guys have both seen the canyons. No, I have, I have not he seen has it. it. I just, oh, okay. I've just heard just, you talk about it. I watched it, it weirdly much, with my dad. We watched that movie. It. It's, it was 
like just not good <laughs> and i feel bad for Lindsay because i know she was in a really low point when that movie was oh, totally. made but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no yes yeah, there's a lot of there's probably a lot of reasons to feel weird about them <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> yeah um but yeah, so yeah, I like Taxi Driver. I mean, it's not, you know, might be my favorite movie of all time, but it's a good, like, it's a good movie. It's undeniably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's one of those ones where you're like, I'll get around to it. I didn't go to <laughs> film school. I never did the canon, so I'll, I'll get around to it. Yeah, I did go to film school, but I didn't watch it there. I watched it because it's a Jonathan, a Jonathan pick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, it is. It. I mean, this movie does have, like, a lot of thematic similarities to taxi driver in the mm-hmm. sense of like this like question of like doing something that's violent but potentially mm-hmm. morally righteous and like the social mm-hmm. implications of like you know and the political implications and what's what's right and what's wrong and yeah and like, like kind of like status quo versus like people on the fringes of society yes you know? and like a, a seemingly sane man being driven to okay sanity yeah. yeah, that makes. I feel like, the, yeah, similar themes in American Gigolo, which is the other Paul Schrader. I feel like he like zooms in on the ugly parts of humanity and then kind of just like sets us in there rigidly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah. At the yeah. So at the point where Ethan Hawke is like first talking to Michael about all of this, he doesn't actually he's not like completely you know over the edge yet at this point he's Mm -hmm. still trying to be like a supportive like positive force in this guy's life and uh, I wrote down this one quote that I liked where he said um wisdom is holding two contradictory concepts in our mind at one time hope and despair yeah I wrote that one down too this is such a good convert like this I would say that there's like three or four really great conversations in this movie Mm -hmm. and I think that like it's I think it like uh, as far as like talking about religion, I think it has conversations about religion that neither side feels straw man e like even when he talks with Cedric the entertainer's character, the the like more mm. corporate priest, yeah, like Reverend Jeffers. Yeah, Reverend Jeffers, him saying like God's destroyed the world once, like the floods. So maybe this is his plan. Maybe it is for man to like chip away at the atmosphere until it's gone and i i like uh i also wrote down the quote about it's like wisdom is holding hope and despair simultaneously mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah and because like weirdly that is like the only thing that can make sense once you zoom out i feel like this is uh it, it's weirdly even though it's so like bleak like this movie is weirdly hopeful yeah <laughs> when it's underlining points like that Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about abundant life. That's like the the big, you know, mega church that basically, you know, pays for First Reformed to exist because yeah. First Reformed has like no people that go to it. It's like only a handful yeah. of people once a week, and um, and so Abundant Life is a mega church that's like run by Cedric the Entertainer, Reverend Jeffers, um, and. Uh, they have really big TVs. They have like a you know a, a great choir, um, nice carpeted uh, establishment, um, a media room. They really have everything there. Um, and so they have a cafeteria. They do have a cafeteria. <laughs> yeah. Um, it reminded me a lot of I don't know if you listen to the podcast Mega, 
Um, oh no, I haven't. It's very fun. It's like an improv comedy podcast about a about, mega church. I I definitely got uh, whipped into the the like current of a mega church in my adolescence for like two years. So I, I I've definitely I've been to a church that has like its own souvenir shop and like you can wow. buy t-shirts wow. or like get the frappuccino at a window somewhere <laughs> in West Des Moines, <laughs> Iowa. Wow, that's uh, amazing. Yeah, I liked I really liked like uh in the cafeteria that there are just like no windows. Like <laughs> I I like how insular that world feels when they shoot it. And like how is all that like even like you can tell it's a church with money and that it's modern, but it is still so like oppressively ugly. Like it's really <laughs> impressive. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, the location was great for that. Yeah, and I liked it had also like a giant parking lot too with like scripture on the like on the oh, side of yeah, the parking lot. Oh yeah, all of lot. the the scripture wall art was like super. <laughs> oh, it's just like so specific, and even down to like the the choir director Alexandra. Mm-hmm. Uh, she looks exactly like every other choir director <laughs> I had growing up, <laughs> and has the same like odd intensity. <laughs> so. And we're all very happy for her when she gets her solo at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. I was, yeah, yeah that was a, a fun surprise because I thought it was just going to be the kids uh, singing. Mm-hmm. No, no, we got enough of those kids. They had to sing a protest song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, so there's a scene where um, Ethan Hawke goes to see uh, Cedric the Entertainer at the at the mega church and um the this is when to me one of the most iconic lines of this movie and jonathan and i say it to each other all the time is um (laughs) even a pastor needs a pastor it's so good (laughs) it's so good it's like in um in treatment when uh he has to go to therapy on fridays the therapist has to go to therapy yeah i think of like the there's like a tweet that's like uh, my therapist just referred to her therapist as my grand therapist. <laughs> <I'm> still <laughs> processing that. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I also like, and it's cool. I like, it's really, they de- delineate these pastors so much. I think that sometimes it's hard not to think of Christianity and like the whole machine of it as like a monolith and, I think that they do a really great job of delineating the two pastors, uh, especially in the conversations that they have together where it's like they do ultimately believe in the same things. And like even there's a line later in the movie where he's saying, like, you have no idea how hard it is to. Oh, yeah, to raise a child in this modern world. Well, yeah, it's just like the to be the person to be the shepherd of people in a situation that is deeply fucked like okay so it's a irreversible climate change after 2015 like as a leader of a community like you see him like underline that it's his belief that he should hold the line mm-hmm. versus like ethan hawk the idea that what are we doing like even operating and pretending like it's not like this is inhumane and against it and it's like it's a compelling argument as somebody who's wrote off christianity long ago and then like in recent months has been like i don't know maybe i'll go through a god phase or something (laughs) like what do i have to lose (laughs) like it's like really fulfilling to see those conversations so 
intellectually written and performed between mm-hmm. those two characters. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, Ethan Hawke and his whole, his whole, you know, struggle that he's going through is kind of heightened by his like physical ailments as well, as well. Yeah. Yeah, Throughout the movie, we see him, he's like peeing blood. He can't sleep through the night because he's in such severe pain. He's like, his gums are bleeding too. Like, and on top of it, then he's like drinking every night. Yeah. Like Uh, a lot. yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's. I think on this watch, I definitely saw that and like the the concept of repenting was really mm-hmm. in the front of my brain and like the misery that this person, it's like the, the, the misery that the people who choose to be conscious of this feel like felt tied to, cause they're both like, they're caught up in the religious sphere. They're, it felt like repenting. And I think that made the image of him wrapping himself in the barbed wire make even it was just like so much more clear and salient on this watch that this was like martyrdom and like Mm -hmm. uh if you choose to be upset about this like you are martyring yourself to like an audience of none Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. and like that was tied to like the scene where michael is like pointing at the photographs of the people who died protesting for environmentalism and then even yeah even the stomach cancer like that felt like repent like cosmic repenting mm-hmm. and even like the shot specifically of like him having that the glass of whiskey and pouring like pepto-bismol in yeah. it was that what mm-hmm. that was yeah, yeah, yeah i was yeah. like it's like this like hapless salve in this poison and it was i was like these oh man these metaphors are so strong <laughs> the second watch for me that yeah like to the cosmic punishment or the stuff that we choose like the scene where like michael's like do you drink much and he says it doesn't help like none of it none of it helps it's like this pushing of a boulder up a massive hill Mm -hmm. uh I, yeah, but that I'm sorry. I'm very on my oh, <laughs> yeah. analytical high horse right now. <laughs> oh yeah, it's but great. I, I was excited to like draw that line this on this watch. Yeah, and I think he's repenting not only for you know now he's like feeling the burden of the environment, but mm-hmm. also because um, we learned that his uh, he had a son that he had kind of encouraged to yes. enlist yeah. who died shortly after mm-hmm. um, in Iraq. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, so pretty much, you know, his his isolation, almost isolation at the church that he works at, you know, seems like yeah. a, a way for him to, uh, you know, repent for that. Yeah. And like the, their conversation about that where because that comes he reveals that born out of like the discussion of martyrdom and like, what is it for? I like that they kind of draw this line of like, who does martyrdom help? ultimately like I my son died for a useless war like you can die for a noble cause Jesus died for allegedly our sins like Mm -hmm. I I think uh that that makes you think like even when you do repent it like still it's for nothing It, it almost just makes yourself feel any sort of better uh and I like, yeah, I like that his vices are tied to that. I think that that was really interesting for the character. Definitely. And I also like that he had a flip phone, but that's just... Yes. 
<laughs> yeah, that was interesting because, you know, they do make a point to let you know that it's like 2016, 2017 when all of this totally. is happening. So yeah. the fact that he has a flip phone and you see it when um, he's reading like a text message from uh, from Mary or Michael, one of them, um, mm-hmm. like about about meeting to, to talk to, to counsel him again. Um, and so it's just kind of like, oh, there's a flip phone right there in the middle <laughs> of this uh, um, when but I it, saw that, I thought of, of my stepdad. I'm like, I, I, I was like, I think my stepdad Mike would really like this movie. I bet he'd see that <laughs> shot of the flip phone and be like, "That's the life." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, charging your phone once a week. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah. Oh it's, yeah, it is great. Uh, yeah, let's let's all do it. Let's make a pact right now. <laughs> we don't need Twitter on our phones. No, that's it's true. probably better if we don't have Twitter. <laughs> Or if you have to, like, you know, spend 50 cents to log into the internet on your flip yeah, phone. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. should pay a troll toll. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So then, uh, oh, so around this point, um, Ethan Hawke is supposed to go meet up with Michael. And Michael lets him know that he uh, wants to meet at the park instead. And when Ethan Hawke gets there, um, he finds him dead in the snow. And he'd, like, shot his head off with yeah. a rifle or shotgun. shotgun. Yeah um it's and it's a pretty like startling image because it's it's so red and and it's you know winter so the snow is very white um yeah it's like it's definitely an instance of when like depictions of it's like the aftermath of graphic violence mm -hmm. and i feel like i feel like it's used very well and sparingly like this because it's like a thriller you are kind of on edge when you're watching it that like you could see anything but I think that and also like I I was watching it and seeing him react to it was one of the many times where I was like he should have gotten an Oscar nod yeah (laughs) Yeah, completely it's perfect for him yeah he's been nominated four times but I really yeah this should have been this should have been the one do you remember are you guys Huh? Are you guys like personally like invested in Ethan Hawke's <laughs> success as an actor? Or, like, what is like, what's your tie here? <laughs> dedica- <laughs> People have dedicated a, such a project to it. Like, I mean, and I now think I this, am. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, I'm sure it grows on you. But like, especially this movie specifically, like, it seemed like this was maybe his chance at this point in his career, like, to get the at least to break into that like mainstream award acceptance but like where are you guys rooting for him or do you think it'll he just is doing exactly what's he, what he wants to be doing or what's your guys's take I think he's doing what he wants I do think I think he's going to win an Oscar one day I think that it just hasn't been his time yet unfortunately <laughs> I do think that First Reformed probably had the best chance of like any movie he's ever done to to break in I agree um, but I thought that really the performance he should have been recognized for was Born to be Blue. I, oh, I haven't seen it. I would recommend it. I really love that movie. It's uh, He plays Chet Baker. Um, it's a kind oh. of like fictionalized biopic mm-hmm. of Chet Baker. Oh, I think I've read about this before as it like it's acclaimed. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a very good movie. And I think it's like super underrated. And I think that his performance in it specifically is really good. Um, yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah, but I do think I do think it's gonna happen one day. I just don't know, you know, like do you what think it'll, it'll be, be like a later in life thing. Like, like he'll have like a Christopher like Christopher Plummer, Plummer yeah. yeah, supporting actor for He's beginners playing an forever. older gay man. Um, yeah, I mean, I could see that for him for sure. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, I hope it's sooner rather than later. But I think, you know, he's, like, acted so much and he, he has enough money to, like, you know, live and, I guess, support his four children. Totally. And that might be, like, he's <laughs> such kind of, like, a zen dude that mm-hmm. I bet it's kind of like how, like, Adam Sandler doesn't seem so attached to getting an Oscar nod, but, like, he definitely showed up for the Uncut Gems stuff. Yeah. And, like, and then when he didn't get nominated, he like made a public claim that now he's going to make the worst movie of all time. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I feel like maybe it's kind of that same thing where it's like, look, he doesn't need it, but just like personally, I think he deserves it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I think he could win for writing if they came back with a fourth before movie. You know, I could see him. Oh man, he's been nominated he twice happen. for for before for writing. Um, and then he was nominated once for Training Day and once for something else. He was, oh, I forget he was nominated. Both of them were nominated for Training I just mm-hmm. watched Training Day. It's the most insane movie of all time. I cannot believe it was an awards show, darling. That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, I didn't watch it until we started doing, until we did the podcast. Oh, really? I had never seen it. So I was, I liked it. Mm-hmm. I think it, it was yeah, like, it was so ridiculous. But uh, it is ridiculous. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah. But that's why it was kind of fun because it's like, okay, but it's not like Face Off got Academy Award nominated for acting. <laughs> like, it's like, it definitely turns it up to 11 in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, Ethan, uh, we love you. Come on the show. We're rooting for you. Uh, I hope I've you... Put, I've put a lot of my uh, savings into uh, the betting markets for him winning an Oscar. So... <laughs> I need this. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. I, odd. you know, I think he'll win for writing and directing uh, the for ad- adapted screenplay for what is this movie he's gonna make when we are out of quarantine? Is it? Is it? No, it's not called Cross. It's oh, shoot, I forget. But it's a Tennessee a Williams. Yeah, it's a Tennessee Williams thing that he's gonna oh, adapt into a movie. That's that's so his vibe. It's yeah. so his vibe, yeah. and he's a distant relative too. Of Tennessee so, Williams? Yeah. Nepotism Man, added I bet he again. Loves that. <laughs> it's gonna pick up some great independent awards. It will, for sure. <laughs> yeah. He's got this like Mark Twain. I don't know, like he's just this such certain type of Americana. Like yeah, that. Yes. He's like distinctly yeah. Texan and distinctly New Yorker. He's both of totally. those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> he's like down to earth and pretentious, you know. Yes, he he's is. He's got both of those strains. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's dusty. <laughs> But but literate. Yes. Um okay, well first reformed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um okay, yeah, so they have a memorial for Michael. Um that's uh pretty pretty dramatic. And I, I remember the first time I saw it, just like this entire movie, I was so tense the whole time. Yeah. yeah. That I couldn't totally really like too. appreciate any humor in it. But this time yeah. watching it, there was something like a little funny about this memorial. Oh yeah. No, I yeah, it's just like it's kind of like the fact that they say it's all delineated to Michael's requests and just like watching Amanda Seyfried like shake out the ashes from like the cereal it looks like the same type of plastic container you'd keep cereal in like it's Mm -hmm. and it is like the it's kind of like the cosmic joke of he wanted to his ashes to be on like a a toxic dump site and like yeah there's five teenagers during an acapella version of i think a neil young song (laughs) yeah yeah and the song is just like i i just like so literal exactly yeah like this movie takes like kind of like a uh uh subliminal like 
uh, idea of like religiousness and climate change and like all these things. And then there's this one moment in the middle of the movie where they sing the most literal song mm-hmm, I've mm-hmm. ever heard about the <laughs> well, environment. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. And it feels like it makes it seem like it just underlines this point that like activism is so not i don't i don't think this is what it believes but like climate activism feels like so hapless like mm-hmm. like i think it still underlines that thing of like you could die for this cause and it doesn't mean anything it didn't change anything and so it's like like these like protest songs like being sang by five teenagers you're just like what is this for mm-hmm. what is any of it for yeah we're, we're fucked <laughs> like that is like the vibe of the funeral yeah yeah and in a way that's kind of the vibe of the whole movie <laughs> um yeah yeah um there were a few like really good ethan hot quotes around this time um mm-hmm. that i wanted to call out uh he said um no sooner than i shut my eyes desolation came upon me i think this is like when he's getting home from discovering uh michael's body Oh, wow. Yeah. And he also said, um, how easily they talk about prayer, those people who have never really prayed. Oh, I really like that yeah. line a lot. That was, yeah. You know, and it's, yeah, it's really kind of, I don't know, I feel like it really ties to his whole relationship to Christianity and to environmentalism. Like, you know, he he just believes that he, the way that he feels it is the is the strongest well you know it's like strong and right um and he has a hard time i guess like seeing or understanding how other people relate to those things in a different way yeah he feels very burdened yes yeah like uh which yeah as a pastor it's almost like your delineated role is to to be the one who is burdened Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i uh i i liked I liked that line and also because it kind of underlines like I think that there's a he does such a good job of having this like quiet rage throughout the movie yes. like even towards the end when he is about to do something violent it is still so like quiet and contained and like how he tries to hide his drinking and hide the ugly aspects but or like he it's almost like polite it's not even like he, he's being sneaky it's like a politeness or like a buttoned upness mm-hmm uh but yeah and i think that comes through in his journals too and hearing him read those lines yeah and i think part of that maybe because he was a you know he was a chaplain in the military so that means he would have had like military training um and i think there's you know there's a scene uh, i think this is kind of oh no i think we skipped this there's the the suicide vest um the bomber vest yeah that he um, Mary's worried about she finds it in the garage and so mm-hmm. Ethan Hawke takes it so that Michael doesn't have it and can't you know do anything with yeah. it um, and he brings it back and there's a time later in the movie where he he puts it on and then he stands at the end of the bed and like kind of like you know hits his feet yeah. together like he's yeah, yeah, yeah. like a soldier it's like, like he's like pumping himself up to fill this role <laughs> yeah so that's definitely like a, a big part of the character I think yeah 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 um, his his character is yeah he says that in the scene with michael that his whole family has done military service and that's why his son yeah mm-hmm. yeah wow i didn't think about his I, you think of him more as like a grieving father than necessarily his own role in the military but 
I that's cool. Wow, that's so subtle. This movie's so good. Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely like a lot to unpack, like the more you watch yeah. it. The more you think yeah, about and it. what I like about it is that even though there's a lot there are lots there's so many levels to it the movie itself is actually like really simple and really totally yeah like there's not like the plot itself like moves there's not a whole lot of twists and turns there's just kind of like a few kind of pivotal moments and yeah because like i remember rewatching it and i was like oh i remember even though it was like a couple years ago i remember pretty much all of the details because it's not it's not the most complicated like mm-hmm. narratively even though yeah. there's a lot of layers to it. Yeah, you could like isolate it down to like 10 events or scenes and that's kind of what happens in the movie. Yeah. And yeah, it deals with these like big issues in a way that feels subtle. Like I feel like it's really easy to be heavy handed about environmentalism and like even Jonathan, what you're saying about like that song being the most like heavy handed thing in the whole movie. Right, yeah. Where mm-hmm. it's like, this is the time where it's just so literal. But like, yeah, all of the like capital letter problems it talks about, it just kind of like addresses specifically and smallly. Like the, like one of my favorite scenes is the scene after the funeral where he's talking with like the businessman Mm -hmm. and he just like, that's, I think that that scene is so, it it just like uh, underlines like the despair you feel when it gets politicized and him just talking about how it's not a political issue but of course in the context that we're dealing with everything's political and like how how that guy dismisses his argument so arrogantly but in a way that like i feel like we've all been talked to that way by someone before Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah it's a yeah where it just all feels so feckless Definitely. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that character a little bit. His name is Ed mm-hmm. Balk, um, and he's played by Michael Gaston, who I saw him and I was like, oh, I know I know him from something. And then I checked out his IMDb and I knew him from everything. Oh, you know, yeah. He's just he's like a, a okay. TV actor who's in a bunch of stuff. But I think the main thing that I knew him from was The Leftovers. He was, oh. I don't know if you watched that. No, I haven't seen, but it's on my to watch list. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's like um, really a lot in that mo- in that show in like a kind of um ambiguously evil way but you're not quite sure and also is he even really there um, <laughs> so fun. yeah so he's he's pretty good in that show um what a- is he is he in a lot of movies too i think he's mostly in tv he has kind of that character actor uh like he looks like one he's kind of like a blank canvas man yeah. who could be a little sinister yeah definitely yeah. i was like ah oh, do i know him from the good wife and like he had done a couple <laughs> episodes of the good wife and like you know er law and Order, you know every single show that's great way yeah. to go bulk <laughs> yeah um but yeah so he has some kind of like large industrial factory situation um something with plastics i think he does something with plastics and so yeah. Uh, he is um, one of his factors is in this town that they're in and he's kind of bankrolling this whole um, reconsecration the 250th reconsecration of first reformed church which is like co-sponsored by abundant life and balk and so there's like big signs everywhere with like the logos and stuff (laughs) Um, and I thought you know at the end especially at the at the actual event first reformed is like the smallest thing on the sign oh yeah it's it's just so sponsored yeah (laughs) Um, 
Yeah, the scene of um, the scene of Ethan Hawke googling. Yes, <laughs> uh, where he sees that First Reformed Church is like one of, or is it Bulk? Someone is financing or donating to someone else. I think. Yeah, I think Bulk Industries like finances Abundant Life Church. Yes, yeah, so, and he yes. sees that online. It made me make a letterbox list of uh, movies where characters Google something. Oh, that's <laughs> like, so good. <laughs> Do you put Twilight on there? Twilight was like I the list started as just Twilight and First Reformed. That's, That's so good. <laughs> so yeah, well, you have an idea. I was like I was looking at it. It was like called like spotlightfinder.com or something like that. Oh, like, yeah. it had like a really That's even like better. silly made up uh yeah. you know, not Google name. I'm That's currently funny. watching The Bold Type with some friends of mine oh, nice. as maybe a joke. I can't tell anymore, <laughs> but uh their Google stand-in is a website called global one which is like <laughs> so it sounds so like fascist for some reason yeah, yeah. Yeah. that's that's funny it sounds like something that would be like added on to like the url of like a bank or a yeah, you yeah, know yeah, yeah, yeah. A global savings one. global <laughs> one is that could be like the evil corporation that is like tracking our smartphones and like a disaster movie or something too true yeah. true um, also, another thing about the the scene where he's googling and he sees like the abundant life, it's the second biggest uh, contribution that they have. The first biggest one is like it's like like North uh, New York Conservancy Fund or whatever or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like yeah. this interesting like again like a comment on like just the the you know I don't know like that he's like he's polluting but he's also like you know making these contributions to make it seem not as bad and all that stuff oh yeah like corporate charity and yeah Mm -hmm. greenwashing and yeah it's like part of planting their roots that they also support local charities and foundations and stuff so yeah yeah i remember on that list it's all like regional places there's no like multinational donor they're all like of the region and Mm -hmm. Yeah, it actually, while I was watching that, I literally Googled the same thing as him. I Googled world's biggest polluters. <laughs> and like, all I could see was like, United States. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know I'm trying to buy the companies. <laughs> it's oh, like, man. it's definitely the US, okay? <laughs> yeah, but I gave up on that. I was like, I'll do this later, not when I'm watching a movie. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, and so kind of after he gets into, you know, looking up the top polluters and he's, like, started to get more and more uh, carried away by, you know, Michael's ideal ideas, mm-hmm. um, Ethan Hawke, he changes the sign outside the church, and this is, like, one of the most iconic shots, I think, yeah. in this movie. He changes the sign to say, will God forgive us? Right, and that I... came from earlier in the movie where mm-hmm. Michael asks him, will God forgive us? yeah. And for what says, we've done to his creation yeah yeah and, yeah, uh, he yeah. Says, who can know the mind of god yeah that's like it's so fun when there's a movie with just like a perfect tagline yeah <laughs> yeah like that stands out so heavy even if you're just paying like a cursory amount of attention to the movie mm-hmm. uh and i yeah that that image of him putting it on the church marquee is really really stark and good yeah. And I think he asks Balk, he says that to him like while they're meeting yeah, at the, at the diner. diner. And yeah. he says yeah. the same thing earlier to Cedric the Entertainer yeah. too. Yeah, so and it becomes a, a kind of, you know, something that's clearly him, on yeah. his mind, yeah. Yeah, and I like how they describe, I think this movie like really understands like 
an anxious mind and like how because like later there's a scene where mary talks about having anxious thoughts that are repeating in her head and stuff and it is like it's like the villain in this movie you can't tell if it's like climate change or if it's just like when that thought gets stuck in your head of like cruelty or despair Mm -hmm. it seems like it's just about characters personal journeys with despair Mm mm-hmm and it's and just I just think it's like it's demonstrated in so many different ways, like to like the teen group where they're talking about religion, and that guy's like, "I just got a raise last week. Like life is awesome since I found JC." Like, yeah. like he's also he's also all he's doing is trying to keep the monster out of the house, and like yeah, we're seeing it through the POV of someone who has let the monster in of despair and like. Uh, I think that that's, it is, it, it's, I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird that like that journey feels like so hopeless. Yeah, for some reason I watched this movie optimistically. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, because I think it is like, it is cautioning against despair. It is kind of saying, yeah. like, ultimately yeah. it's saying, because like you see, I mean, it's through his point of view, but I think you do get the experience, like the, idea from other characters even characters that are maybe not you're not as sympathetic towards Mm -hmm. that like there is a kind of um there is like a level of like wrong-headedness to the level of despair that he's like putting himself through like yeah she's like when the the um what 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 was her name i don't know mary esther yeah yeah when esther's like oh you should see a doctor it's like yeah he should see a doctor like this is like him doing this to himself is not like helping yeah. anyone and, and I it's think like this... it, who is martyrdom for yeah ultimately it, yeah. it seems like is martyrdom self-serving is kind of like a theme that's yeah. presented i feel like yeah and then like through um amanda Seyfried's character where she's like earlier in the movie she's like yeah like i agree with him but also i want to live like i want to yeah yeah like, i want to like, have wanna, this kid i want to live yeah. it's like there is also like a sense of like you know, you can feel despaired, but also feel like you're alive and like you should. Yeah. That there's something, there's something to that. There's something to And me. it's cool. Yeah. Because, and it's so cool that they present on such a gradiated scale. It's not a binary of you choose life or you choose death. And yeah. then like, and then even like the ending, which I think I still feel super split on. It's like the one thing that I'm like, oh, like even on the second watch, I'm like that. That's how it ends. Okay, it is kind of, uh, it's almost it's like an illogical response to that, which is just like human contact. I was like, so many points in this movie, I was like, this movie is why it's like no one in this movie has a single friend. (laughs) Like (laughs) all of the people who feel so sad, no one is like. Hey, you're in a funk. Let's uh, let's go for a walk. Like, let's, like, and even there's a line where Amanda Seyfried is like, Michael has no friends. Like, yeah. it is, and that seems to be like where the hope is super underlined is like when they're on the magical mystery tour together. Yes. When when they kiss at the end in response to like, don't kill yourself. Let's kiss. Like, that it's like the only thing that logically makes sense for hope is human to human connection. And that's, I think that it's like, this movie is almost like a romance movie (laughs) and like the romance isn't necessarily between those two characters, but it's in like believing in something 
more illogical than like we've really fucked up the planet irreversibly it's like okay but we can find comfort in the other people who are doomed to be in this experience Mm -hmm. totally yeah and there's like even the scene where they're just like riding the bike together Mm -hmm. through the park yeah yeah and it's like i really like that line where he's like it's amazing exercise is a gift from god yeah (laughs) yeah it's like the only time you really see him like experience any kind of joy in the entire movie yeah oh yeah 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 um yeah (laughs) i did want to talk about since you brought it up the magical mystery tour yes um so it's this thing that amanda Seyfried said she used to do with her husband where he would lie on the ground Mm -hmm. and she would lie on top of him and their like hands would be on top of one another and (laughs) they would like just kind of like mirror each other's movements yeah and their breathing would sync sync up so she um so ethan hawk's like oh do you want to do this with me and she's like no and she's like yeah maybe and so then they do it (laughs) and um this is like i i really remember my brain just like shutting off the first time i saw this movie being like (laughs) what is going on yeah yeah because they start to like at first they're just on the floor and they're like breathing and it's like okay this is kind of weird but whatever and then they start floating and then they're like floating in space and over the mountains and then it devolves into like traffic and tires and pollution um you know so they're like on this kind of journey that gets dark together yeah 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 and i i I, like to me it's like i feel like we saw that magical mystery tour through his perspective. Mm-hmm. And like Mary's perspective is, I think, not necessarily clear to us in this movie, but I don't think it's because her character is underserved. I think it is just because like, this is his journal. This is yeah. this person's mm-hmm. exploration of this thought pattern. And like, uh, but during that, it like this is one of the moments where on this second watch, it underlined that like there's this like gray, horrible monster of despair, and how do we contemplate the human impact of this mass destruction? And then like for some reason, the only out is touching each other. Like, <laughs> and like this was where it was underlined where it's like man, like he just has never like this intimacy is so he's didn't like there's a line he has where it's like such simple pleasures why do we deny ourselves mm-hmm. and i feel like like one of the most simple pleasures is like intimacy with another person and this is that scene where we see him allow that to happen and like even like she describes it as trying to get as much body to body contact as possible and he's someone who is so contained and like the scene where uh, the choir director touches him and he flinches and spills hot soup all over that man. And like, mm-hmm. it's like, you see like finally this panacea open up to him, but like, it's still not enough. He's still like diseased. He still sees the tires and the climate destruction. And I was like, I was like, I think I've unlocked this. <laughs> the first time I watched it, I was like, I was like, I think I was like, why is this scene horny? <laughs> I was so concerned. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think it's horny. I think it's more about intimacy, which can be horny, but doesn't have to be. <laughs> yeah. And also, I was like, she's younger than him. Leave, leave her alone. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, well, I mean, after we watched uh, The Good Kill, where he was involved with Zoe Kravitz, I was like, all right, Amanda Seyfried is fine. Yeah, yeah, you're like, <laughs> age appropriate. Oh, man, that sounds horrible. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like a horrible experience. <laughs> yeah, she's too young for him. That's okay. Um, He's probably, like, friends with her mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way they didn't hang out. Yeah. Um, we we tried the Magical Mystery Tour after we, we watched the movie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we couldn't really get through we, it. Uh, we just... Uh, we tried. <laughs> it's because, okay, I, I think, like, it. you started laughing. Yeah, I did. First, and well, then I couldn't stop laughing after that. Yeah, and I think what it is, it's... I feel like it was harder for me because I was, you know, in the Amanda Seyfried position. I was, Oh, wow. You know, That's the hard... That is harder. Yeah, so then... Because you're, like, pregnant. looking down at... <laughs> you're right, looking you down to, like, figure at, out how to navigate. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. too much. It's too hard. We it's, almost did it once, but then I opened my eyes and it ruined it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, start, I started laughing again. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's hard to do. And then you were like saying that you like, you said that you were like crushing my organs or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I was like something inside of him made a noise that was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a squelch. Yeah. You couldn't explain. <laughs> but yeah, um, I would recommend that you or the listeners at home, everyone yeah. try this and uh, you know tweet at us, let us know how it went. <laughs> Definitely sometimes my boyfriend and I will start breathing at the same time and it feels like we both know that we're both trying to match each other's breathing but we don't we don't we don't acknowledge it because the second we acknowledge it I think we would start laughing but then when you don't acknowledge it it's just kind of nice so yeah. that's kind of the, yeah that's my that's the extent of my magical mystery tour experience but mm. I like I like when they do it and he's like, should we um, put on music? <laughs> it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's it is like a first, like it, yeah, it feels so like deeply intimate, in mm-hmm. the same way that sex is, and I I like that it's, I don't it it's weird where it feels erotic, but it also is somehow non sexual, like it doesn't feel like, it feels so intimate, but not necessarily like a transgression, mm-hmm. and it's yeah and i think that they like delineate intimacy with sex in this movie because clearly him and the choir director did something yeah and they and he's like repulsed by her yeah Yeah. he's real 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 hard on her yeah oh yeah that scene is like harsh (laughs) yeah he says i despise you i despise what you bring out in me yeah so rough yeah that's rough yeah that's specifically the scene where I was like looking at the church. I was like, how is this so ugly? <laughs> it's so simple line. It's just like churches have such as, I just, from my time spent in the hallways of churches, they all kind of feel the same. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, oh, a couple of other things I wanted to hit on. So one of the kids, so there's like a tour um, for like a field trip with a group of kids that don't go to see the church because it was part of the Underground Railroad and it's like part of their curriculum to go to the church yeah. and check it out. And one of the kids is Benny, uh, who sorry Benny in this movie. He's Tyler from the Sack Lunch Bunch. Oh, yeah. so that was fun. Yeah, very cute. Yeah. What a career that's shaping like- up. I know. Yeah, he has a lot of credits. I was checking out his IMDb. He works. There you go, Benny. Yeah. This is also a scene that like was felt really serious the first time I watched it and then I like kind of laughed a, a little bit about this time because like he's like talking about like it's really dark. Yeah, he's like talking about, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, hiding yeah. in this uh in this uh, underground, underground yeah. like, with little... like a fun act out like oh you can pull up the board and like <laughs> Right, yeah. And then he's like can you imagine sitting there on your knees praying? <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. 
and he's like it's he's clearly like talking about his own kind of despair yeah. and it's like oh, yeah geez. and then like rooted when you're also it's like a movie about a whole different type of like the just like fallout of human greed and impact and then all of a sudden like we're like thinking about the recent history of slavery and like how narrow of a silver lining it is that this is like an underground railroad <laughs> stop like how exciting and it's like oh they were fleeing slavery <laughs> like ah like, yeah. and like the kids they got were so cute <laughs> too yeah they got some really cute where i think it's like a yeah there's some like anachronistic things going on where i think that it feels more definitely the second watch it felt much more textured than the first time i watched it where mm-hmm. it just all felt a little bleak mm-hmm. yeah so then yeah so all of this is really re- leading up to the reconsecration event and um, Amanda Seyfried wants to go and like support Ethan Hawke because he's been there for her. <laughs> and he's like, no, please don't do this. Please leave. Uh, and um, then he immediately goes home and he adds like a patch to the suicide vest. That's like that photo of the yeah. of the couple that had died. Um, yeah. The and, Amazon couple. Yeah. And he... And he wears this vest when he goes to see a tour of the Balk factory, which is like, oh, is he going to go, like, yeah. you know, yeah. blow There's up this factory? There's such tension there, yeah. Yeah. And then he doesn't. And then he follows Balk, him, the, uh, Ed Balk himself, to a sushi place. And that's where he eats the, the fish and miso. And he's wow. like, right. I didn't even track, even on this one, I didn't track that he probably followed him there. Yeah, because, yeah, he was, like, also in the restaurant. He was not too far from him, kind yeah, of like. Yeah, I, I clocked that he was there. Yeah, so. I, oh, that's when he says the simple pleasures line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where he's like, I had fish and miso. <laughs> yeah, that was so good. Yeah, I don't know. This movie's so good. That factory scene, too, also is, like, the theme of, it's, like, how companies will do outreach to good causes, where the woman Mm -hmm. who's giving the tour is, like, Balk's actually one of the first companies to recognize that there was a need for environmentalism. So, like, I think she's talking about, like, dry erase markers that are recyclable or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. As they, like, walk through all the machinery and everything Mm -hmm. as he's wearing the vest. I wrote down in my notes, it doesn't help anyone that he looks hot in the vest. And that (laughs) note doesn't help anyone either. So So true. We've had a lot of instances of Ethan Hawke being like weirdly hot, you know. (laughs) He's just like, oh, man, I think that's why he's so interesting. (laughs) Because he kind of looks good, you know. So have we considered this? (laughs) Um. Yeah. Oh, and another really iconic shot from this movie is around this time where he's like outside kind of like by some water or some pollution or something. I don't know. He's by something um, like a boat. That's oh, yeah. Like broke a broken down boat or something. Mm-hmm. And the the background is um, like really uh, blue. And then like he's there all night and the sky yeah. uh, changes and then it's like really purple. And I feel mm-hmm. like that purple background is one of the shots I see the most from this movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think he shot this so well. I, yeah, it, like some of the shots are like ugly or d- like distinctly. It's just like he shoots it. He shoots for like grandeur a lot of the times mm-hmm. or just like capturing a picture. I, like I think of there's like a scene later where they're in or I think it's right. But when Mary comes over in the Mar- magical mystery tour where like 
it's the shot of that really empty, beautiful, uh, like entertaining area of wherever he's staying. That's just empty, has a chandelier. She comes to the door and you don't see her, the interaction until they like walk out into it. Mm-hmm. And he just, it's like, it feels so East coasty. It feels like very like reserved and distant and like, but like grand, there's like, you just see so much of it. I just really like the shots of inside and outside. I think, it, it, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just so prettily made. It's such a good movie. Definitely. And there's a lot of, there are so many shots where it seems kind of centered around like, um, I don't know, like the crosses, like there are so many crosses in this Mm -hmm. movie and they're like, like definitely featured. Like there's that shot of him where he's standing at the pulpit and he has the crosses on the thing around his neck and also behind him. Yeah. Um, And there's a shot where like his, I don't know what that thing is called that goes around your neck, but it's like laying on a chair too. And there's also another cross behind, like there's so many times when there are multiple crosses in a shot. Yeah, the imposition of God yes. <laughs> is always in the background. Yeah. Even that first, I mean, like, talking of, speaking of shots, uh, the very first shot of the church, the rack out, and then you can just see the cross at the very top, and it's always framed. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah, and then it, like, tilts up on the cross, too. It's just, uh, yeah, the, the the imagery and the symbolism and the imagery is so clear mm-hmm. um yeah and so as we're so he never he doesn't use the vest any of those times that he we thought he might <laughs> and um then as we're approaching the reconsecration um Cedric's entertainer brings him back in and he's like you know are you sure you're okay because you need to like go get some help and that could be now <laughs> or it could be after the reconsecration but you just got to get some help yeah. And he says, um, I really like this line, uh, Cedric the Entertainer says, for you, every hour is the darkest hour. Yeah. 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 Um, and then Ethan Hawke says back to him, uh, well, somebody has to do something, mm-hmm. which is iconic. Yeah. iconic. Yeah. 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 And I also like the line about how he was like, even it's like, even Jesus wasn't always in the garden. Like you're mm-hmm. always in the garden. Yeah. 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 yeah and that idea of, Cause like when you really get stuck in a rut like that, it is because it's like, you're missing the part of it where you go for the bike ride. <laughs> like yeah, that, like, it's clear that that does not come naturally to this character. And even this job makes him feel so isolated and it's almost it's by design. He's got to be this singular force and everyone's telling him not to be, but he seems to not know how to not be this like isolated tender of the garden <laughs> yeah. and yeah that's that's like one of those discussion scenes in this movie that i'm like this is so good <laughs> yeah um yeah and ethan hawk says no i'm good to go i'm i can still do this uh, and the next day his alarm goes off at 7 28 which i wrote down because i just thought that was an interesting time <laughs> it was very specific <laughs> um i wonder if it's a bible verse yeah i wonder could be could be they drop a few of those in this movie. Yeah, 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 they do. I think Cedric Entertainer drops a Romans one in the previous scene that I wrote. I just wrote down Romans in my notes. It's not very <laughs> helpful, but. <laughs> oh, and that's also the scene where he says, Ethan Hawke says, you think God wants to destroy his creation? Right. And I, yeah. And I think that that's a really good, that's a really good line. Yeah. <laughs> I also like that the day he wakes up, like, 
this movie is about this impending climate disaster and us and there's a lot of scenes of human wreckage and everything but like he looks out the window and it's like a beautiful day Mm -hmm. I thought that that was nice and like you see the footage like the home video shots and it's like blue skies green it's like a gorgeous cold New England day yeah yeah I thought that was a nice little touch yeah um yeah, so he, this is this is it. We think he's, you know, he's really planning on going out and uh, blowing everyone up at this reconsecration event. Um, Could be fun. Yeah. It, it would, um, you know, definitely be an iconic uh, event for the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, historic. No bad PR. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he sees that Amanda Seyfried has come like he sees her walk into the front door of the church and he's like oh shoot I can't do this anymore because she's like the only person that deserves to be alive (laughs) (laughs) the Virgin Mary yes and um yeah and he there's there's I just really love his reaction to that he like takes off his coat his overcoat thing and he like screams into it yeah yeah the rage comes out it's like it's like even he's so angry but he still like is restrained to this moral code mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it's, it's like the one of the only times that he like his v- voice the volume of his voice raises it all like that the time he yells and the time he says that somebody has to do something are basically the only time yeah he and then like raises his voice you see a little bit of that in the scene where he's like telling the choir director that he oh yeah hates, yeah that one yeah, too, yeah yeah and it, it's it's really yeah you see it like bubbles up you can tell it's just this boiling pot in him mm-hmm. yeah it's funny i just yeah it's funny that like everyone is it's so biblical like i think this is a good i think this is a good use of biblical allegory where ultimately like everyone is saved by the grace of mary once again mm-hmm. and like even her husband being dead uh like makes you think of how mary had a child without a without Mm -hmm. a father and Mm -hmm. like and it's a boy too i think that they establish Mm -hmm. so there's even like a a christ allegory there totally (laughs) this child who's like going is will the birth of this child wipe away our sins that's for first reform too second reform (laughs) (laughs) and i think they even now that i now that you mentioned i think that there's literally a scene in the movie where he said, where Michael says, like, "Oh, he's going to be thirty-three years old in yeah in twenty fifty oh, or whatever." I didn't even think about that. Is like, isn't that like That's the age? That of is Jesus the Jesus. Dead. It's thirty. I think either thirty-three or thirty-four. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's thirty-three. Yeah, yeah. so he wow. says he's going to be thirty-three in twenty fifty or whatever. Wow. They single out that Schrader. year. Traitor. <laughs> I, I didn't even. I didn't think about that until that just one. now. I was yeah. just busy thinking, like, "Oh, how old am I going to be?" Like, I was like thinking about myself, <laughs> like. Yeah, no, I think, and I, like, it, just, like, the mentions of Jesus Christ, and it, it feels like there's so, like, his, the, I feel like there's a lot of historical references to Christianity in this that mm-hmm. make me think that that is super purposeful. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And even his his son's name is Joseph, but I I think that at some point you just have Christian names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. There are a couple Josephs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, so then uh, 
Mary shows up. Yes, Mary shows up and he takes off the vest and he, instead he uh, and then he takes off his shirt and he starts wrapping barbed wire around his chest. Yeah, this is when that I get very visceral. Yeah, there's a that lot of these like, like, kind of like visceral. I don't know. It's like bloody in the way that Christian imagery is, though. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's like, like a you know crown of thorns kind of thing. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, and it is like so. Uh, like whatever it is whatever the term is for when you're is it repent no there's it's like self-flagellating yeah self yeah. yeah yeah and it's funny because i watched this on prime i think and like the thumbnail for it is him wrapped in barbed wire and i was like okay that's a bit of an act blow i think <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe don't give us that much just for should we watch this movie or not yeah definitely yeah. But that, yeah, the image of him like all raw and bleeding, and then when he puts the white robe on Ugh. too, it's like, yeah, and then the blood just kind biblical. of like seeps through. Yeah, yeah. this is such like a Catholic guilt movie. I love it, and I'm not Catholic. So. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, so they're getting really anxious because you know he is gonna, he's the one that's supposed to kick off the whole ceremony, yeah. um, and uh Cedric the Entertainer is looking for him and can't find him so he's like oh just start so Esther starts singing her solo we love it go off leaning queen leaning on the everlasting <laughs> arms <girl>. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah and then he's still back at his uh you know private residence connected to the church and he's about to drink some Drano yeah <laughs> and, he puts a lot of things in that whiskey glass yeah. that should not be yeah 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 um yeah so he's about to drink that Drano and then Amanda Seyfried comes in and they make out and then it just cuts to black yeah that is like it's so polarizing yeah <laughs> yeah I think he, first... he drops the glass too and it doesn't yeah. break that's another yeah thing. yeah yeah but you see it like plop out the Drano yeah and then they truly I think they make it, the making out feels like 90 seconds and it's like it's a lengthy make out and then it just ends and, and it's I, kind of like spinning around mm-hmm. too. Yeah, there's it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some there's some movement there. Which is like one of the showiest shots. I feel yes. like there's like the the camera doesn't move that much. I feel like in this movie, it's super extravagant here. comparatively. Yeah, and I I remember this ending being the thing that pissed me off the first time I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> Because it was like I was like so into it the whole time. I had so many friends who just loved it, and I was watching it by myself, and it just like felt like to me it was such a cheap out i don't for some reason and like i think it, sometimes i resent endings they're a little like now you do the work but like on this second watch i think it was so much clearer what it was about that human to human connection mm-hmm. it is the only thing that makes any of this feel any better once you start on that path of oh no what have we done and and like even yeah knowing that she shares the beliefs of her husband and like she's been to the protest she's like they're both unified by this kind of mm-hmm. like despair and pain and fallout uh but she like harbors this hope and sometimes i'm a little allergic to movies that have women be this symbol of hope and like right full innocence or like the the encroaching towards manic pixie dream girl of depressed man who needs to be shaken up by like a hopeful perspective but like i think this time i'm like i it i think just maybe because it feels so more clearly tied to 
the outside circumstances, it really worked for me, mm -hmm. even though it is abrupt and could feel like it came out of nowhere. And, but I, if anything, that's, I'm like, wow, this is like, this is a nihilistic movie, but it's also like an ex a hopeful movie. And I think that that is good art. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then I think there's also like another level there where it's like, is that whole end sequence really happening right. at all? Right. Yeah. Oh, you know? sure. Yeah. Yeah. He could have been that he already drank it. Because died. I mean, you know, if you want to get like really into it, like Cedric the Entertainer tried to open the door and he couldn't get right. in. So then how did Amanda Seyfried get in? So wow. it could and just... also the glass like not breaking and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Wow. So I think, there, I think there's definitely the interpretation. And also like the way that the the tone of the movie seems to change could be like mm -hmm. totally he's it's already like a different film. he's already gone basically. Wow. I had not I'd not gotten there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean one of my favorite movies of all time, I feel, is one with a with a, it's a movie with an ambiguous ending like that. So I I'm I'm Did there. Did you guys I'm read The it. Giver when you were young? I didn't. I, I was not so. assigned in my class. It was like everyone that else had to like, read it but not me such a strong example of the first ambiguous ending in my head and i was like this fucking sucks <laughs> i was like let us know what happened you crook <laughs> i don't want to know i don't know anything i'm 11 what are you talking about so true but, wow wow yeah man i always want them to live personally i don't want i don't want it to be a death fantasy <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, and again, I that, like I think that just goes back to like the theme of hope versus despair. Like it's totally. kind of up to you to interpret. Like, yeah, is is this is this? Did he kind of just luck out here, or is he yeah. just gone already? I, I guess I'm kind of like a glass half full of Drano person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Glass half full of Drano. Yeah. Don't kids don't drink. Don't drink. Yeah. Drano. Do not drink Drano. And also don't drink alcohol with Pepto Bismol. It's yeah. Not... Don't do that either. That's do... what that was, right? Yeah. Disgusting. It was, was that gonna so help? <laughs> Probably <It's>... not. <laughs> I think if if you're if you're hungover and you drink Pepto Bismol, you'll probably feel a little bit better. But yeah, it's, you're not supposed to because it's like bad for your liver. I think. Mm. So... The shot of it mixing in the liquor is just like so gross and good. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think maybe that's what we should be for Halloween this year. Like Pepto we could be Pepto Bismol and whiskey, like a couple's costume. Aww, <laughs> first reformed cocktail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Who's whiskey? Who's Pepto Bismol? You know, that's so true. I think I'm gonna be Pepto Bismol. Yeah, I thought so. I feel, Aww, like, that's I'm, I feel like I'm more of a Pepto Bismol yeah, I'm a in this relationship for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's everyone's one of them. You know, it's <laughs> <laughs> two types of people in this world. Yeah. <laughs> um okay well jonathan do you have something you'd like to share with us sure it's time for a hawk fact wow um jossie would you like to take a stab at a hawk noise um yeah. wow that was supposed to be a hawk that was really good <laughs> i liked it a lot it it um, was and, full of passion yeah 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 and then like, if i were trying to do another hawk thing it'd be like something like deeply philosophical but i'm not really <laughs> gonna be able to pull that out of my ass <laughs> So we did mention earlier that this movie has a unique aspect ratio. Oh, okay. So I was looking into a little bit about uh, the aspect ratio of birds. birds. <laughs> it's a real thing. It's actually the term that they use. They use oh, the wow. word aspect ratio. Uh, they talk about, I, I assumed at first that it would be like the the, the length of their body to their wingspan. Mm -hmm. But when they talk about aspect ratio, they're specifically talking about the wing itself. 
so like how long the wing is to how wide it is and like the aspect ratio kind of affects like it, different types of birds will have different um aspect ratios um so so it's like the length of their body to their wingspan that's what i thought it was but it's actually just the length just the wing the how wide the oh, wing is to of, how long wow it is. okay okay yeah. so like okay, how thick wow. the wing is basically um I love so, this hawk fact is bird themed. <laughs> oh yeah, the the hawk facts are always about real hawks. It's about birds, yeah. And, and Jonathan does a great job of tying them into the theme of the movie somehow. I try. I try. This is beautiful. <laughs> um, so wings that have a low aspect ratio are designed for rapid takeoff and swift twisting flight, but not for sustained high speeds. Tapering low aspect ratio wings are found on birds that must be fast and agile in order to outmaneuver both their prey and their predators. Um, so hawks are, where are we here? Oh, this is the math you said you had to do. Yes. <laughs> okay. Whoa. <laughs> well, no, it's just me trying to understand. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> to logically pl place this in your head. Yeah. yeah. The terminology. So uh, hawks would be. Well, hold on, hold on. I'm getting there. <laughs> what do you think? Tapering? <laughs> <laughs> do they have to move fast? Are they agile? So the interesting thing is that like hawks are often described, and I've talked about this before, but there's some similarities between hawks and falcons, and they're mm -hmm. actually in different uh, groups of in terms of their uh, aspect ratios. Um, so soars slash coursers include birds with low aspect ratios and low wing loading. So wing loading is another term, um, that has to do with, I think it has to do with like their ability to how quickly they can take off. I think it has to do like, there's mm -hmm. another ratio involved with, um, <laughs> wow. Uh, the mass of their wings related to like the size so there's like wow. a couple different terms there um, so birds in the soaring category include hawks and eagles vultures condors and storks um, but then there's also falcons they're actually in a different group are they in the speedier group because isn't like the fastest animal the peregrine falcon yes, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. so aerial hunters are birds with high aspect ratio wings yes. and low wing loading uh aerial hunters include swallows swifts uh swallow-tailed kites and some falcons so this so there's like different just because like so mm -hmm. you know there's like different birds in different groups and even though like hawks and falcons are both raptors both hunters they have mm -hmm. different um aspect ratios wow Whereas hawks have like low aspect ratios some falcons have high aspect ratios so every bird has an aspect ratio yeah yeah like Crazy. even a penguin probably has like an aspect ratio that just doesn't help with flight at all <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> Oh, that's so interesting because I know, yeah, like falcons and hawks and like kites are like used really interchangeably, you know, yeah, and I, yeah. especially, uh, I know Shakespeare like to use uh, kites mm -hmm. as a, as a yeah, word. And they're, they're in the same, like kites are in the same, uh, same as uh, falcons. Yeah. yeah. But hawks just aren't as fast. Hawks are they're, not as fast. Yeah. And I think different types of hawks, uh, like will have different, uh, aspect ratios depending on like what kind of 
Like there are some hawks that like fly really high and like That'd in like open areas, hawk. and then yeah. there's some that are fly like closer to vegetation and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they'll and all like have different that eat yeah, off the exactly. water. Yeah. They'll, they'll wow. all have like different kinds of aspect ratios to, depending on. Um, this is very Darwinian. <laughs> <laughs> With all your birds. <laughs> yeah. So we know so much about hawks and all related birds now. <laughs> this is good. Uh, the concept of flying terrifies and confunds me. So now, I, now I'm armed with knowledge. It's actually not scary. It's all about ratios. It's all about aspect <laughs> ratios. All about aspect ratios. Yeah. Ch- changes the way you see things, just like in this what movie. What was? Do you know what the aspect ratio of this movie was? Was it? It. Oh, I wasn't exactly four three. It was like a yeah, little. I saw okay. some places say four three, and then like. I feel like four three would just be the easiest way to describe it. Yeah, it's a little different. Yeah, it was something like that, but I don't know if it was exactly four three esque. Four three esque, yes. Yeah. First reformed aspect ratio. All right. Well, while you're googling, I'm gonna make a quick bathroom run. Okay. Oh, it's um, <laughs> one point three seven to one. It's known as the Academy ratio. Whoa, what other movies are in the Academy ratio? Let's see. Oh, well, Paul Schrader, not the, not, this is not about the Academy ratio, but he said he was inspired <laughs> by um, the Pavel Pavlikowski film Ida to shoot um, in a 4-3 ratio. Ida. Ida was another movie that played when I was for Cantham Independent Movie Theater. Yes. Yeah. A German film, I think. Yeah. Uh, Polish? I think it's Polish. Polish. Yeah. Okay. Um, we actually watched. There's an Ethan Hawke movie directed by Pavel Pawlikowski um, called oh. "The Woman in the Fifth. Um, was it good? Mm. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a lot of Ethan Hawke's filmography is probably like okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, that one was like like especially a weird one. You know. Oh yeah. Yeah, because um, it was like a French Polish. Kristen Scott mm-hmm. Thomas was like a ghost that gave him a hand job. There was like a lot mm-hmm. going on in that mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, I have pulled up the Wikipedia page for Academy Ratio, and I'm hoping there's a section with examples. Oh, there's not. There's gotta be history, technical details. Hmm. Okay. Well, anyway. <laughs> it's a it's a size yeah 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 the yeah. academy ratio the academy ratio we're all film heads we yeah. get it we love the academy yeah i i <laughs> did actually see like a an interview with paul schrader where he talked about he said he got the idea of doing it that way when he was talking with powell pavel Pawlikowski yes, about ida about yeah we just talked about that oh you did okay because <laughs> he saw ida <laughs> the ida ratio yeah, and then I was talking about Woman in the Fifth, same director. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if you mentioned this part, but he says that he says uh, that that movie was in black and white, and he wanted it to do black and white, but couldn't. And I didn't talk about that. Yeah. Yet. Okay. So apparently, the first he said, reformed. Yeah, yeah. He said. Oh wow! I just did the thing where it loaded and then it moved. Um, <laughs> oh, so annoying. Darned embedded vid- videos. <laughs> That's why I read everything on paper. <laughs> Or on a, a flip phone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he said he'd wanted to do both the this ratio and black and white, but he had a, he said I had a delivery requirement that kept me from using black and white, so I did my hmm. best to make it look black and white. Wow. Yeah, it was very like muted. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it felt very like waspy, mm-hmm. like yeah, restrained. And there's another. Except- he, 
he he mentions there are also subtle things like that there are no overs over the shoulder shots in mm. the film. In the oh, silent yeah, days, yeah, there, yeah, were, yeah. there were very few overs, but when things started going horizontal, they'd have a big head on one side and a hole in the middle, and they'd have to put a shoulder or side of something on the other side. But when you're in that format, you don't necessarily have to do overs, so I don't. People are so used to seeing them, but when they don't recognize when they aren't seeing them, That's but they know that something is being withheld. Nice. Oh, wow. Hmm. That, I think that comes across. Yeah. Well, any final thoughts about this movie? Uh, it, better if you've only seen it one time and you felt weird about it, I think give yourself some time and watch it again. Totally. I'm definitely, I'm like an empathetic movie viewer where I'm just so concerned about the characters themselves mm-hmm. that like sometimes like I get a little weighed in on the plot and then I'm nervous, especially this one definitely is like metered and I it's described online as a thriller for some reason and, like, and there's thriller aspects <laughs> mm-hmm. but definitely if you felt weird about it the first time watch it again and i guess that's my advice there and it's also yeah i really hope that he gets another meaty role like this because i think that he he has such a certain appeal as an actor that can be really well used and then be confusing in other roles <laughs> where you're like yeah. i think when he's meant to play an everyman it it ends up being a little strange because he has this kind of like soulfulness or like containedness. He has this like inner uh, range that I think can be hard to utilize well. And I think it's just like so well utilized in this role. So I'm glad I got the opportunity to watch again. I was like nervous about it because I was like, oh, it's like a bleak view on climate change from what I remember about how it's like a man learns about climate change and then is driven to suicide, I think, is like yeah. made the summary in my head. And like watching it again, like even if he does end up suiciding, like it is like, it's just, it, it says something more about it than is plainly written or plainly seen. So I just, anyone who's seen it once and didn't like it much, I'd just recommend see it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely did feel less like, depressed the second time watching it yeah yeah Mm -hmm. maybe because it's just more plainly apparent (laughs) and it's like less it feels like less a doomsday like stewing in doomsday things and and instead it's like this is kind of like this is the hand we've been dealt and like that is kind of what that conversation at the beginning is about where it's like oh our deadline for irrevocable damage was 2015 and it's 2017 and i'm like uh checking my watch i think it's 2020 right now (laughs) yeah yeah, definitely and i think that like we've all had to grapple with like the realities of a lot of things like horrible things facing the world this year um in particular so i feel like it's uh like on the one hand it like hits differently like oh yikes this is also real but on the other hand it's like oh well now I'm maybe a little bit better equipped to watch this movie and like understand you know how he's feeling because yeah, I've processed a lot totally. of those feelings mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so yeah. it feels less like someone's raining on our parade and instead someone's just talking about the parade that's being rained on so <laughs> <laughs> for sure is this one of your guys's favorites of the ones that you've watched 
I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. definitely. We don't have any hats for other movies. We don't have no. any hats for other movies. I really wanted to get a dad hat, though. It's um, He was in a movie in 1989 with Ted Danson and Jack Lemmon called Dad. I've seen the poster for this. Yeah. And there's. <laughs> is it the uh, poster that is your guys's mm-hmm. icon? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I superimposed <laughs> our faces over Jack Lemmon. It's very Lemmon good. And Ted Danson. <laughs> um but yeah there was a little merch surprisingly <laughs> little merch. yeah no but i've i found one there's like there is a hat out there wow. from on like etsy.com yeah or <laughs> like it was like a weird like a movie uh stuff auction website oh yeah yeah it's like one of the grips has a movie from or has a hat from their rap party yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> on ebay now yeah um that's fun yeah if you go to any like goodwill in hollywood you can probably get like a crew gift that's like a mug from the soup or something like (laughs) if you love the soup you can probably find a mug here (laughs) that someone's discarded yeah well Um, thank you for letting me be a part of one of the the peacocks honestly (laughs) yeah no this is yeah this is a great movie and i'm so glad we had you on for this one a hawk enthusiast thank you yeah Um, yeah all right so now we'll just uh spin around and say where people can find us and uh what we've been enjoying outside of ethan hawk and um anything else you might want to plug so i'm harper you can find me on the internet on instagram twitter letterboxd at harping about um and I have been enjoying, there's a new show out on Netflix this week, which is really going to date this episode um, <laughs> because this is going to come out in like a month because I'm behind on posting. But um, uh, Julian the Phantoms is on Netflix now and I would totally recommend it. Like it's just such a thrill. It's about a teenage girl that starts a band with three teenage ghost boys. Whoa. Yeah. The songs are super catchy. It is live action. Cool. It's from Kenny Ortega, the mind behind High School Musical. What a wow. genius. What a Kenny. man. We love Kenny. Um, and yeah, the songs are so catchy. I just keep listening to them, even though. I just yeah. heard a fun fact about Kenny Ortega this week that like his big break was that John Hughes let him choreograph the Ferris Bueller parade scene. Oh, that is a fun fact. And that's like, I think that was like his first time working on a big movie before he became a director mm-hmm. and i didn't know that so way to go kenny yeah <laughs> love you kenny um yeah okay jonathan uh where can the people find you and what have you been enjoying okay you can find me on instagram and letterbox at john zavaletta uh thing i've been enjoying i was reading a wired article about <laughs> uh a his like murder that happened this like 90 year old man who, i mean i wasn't enjoying this it was just interesting it was like a <laughs> okay, real thing that, it was like a real thing that happened i wasn't like you know but it was interesting worthwhile reading but this like 90 year old man who like murdered his wife's stepdaughter right yes. yeah, yeah okay i'm oh, really man. bad at those terms but anyway so the 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 story was a bit about like she was wearing like a fitbit at the time and so they used like that to like determine that he was at the house at the time she died and all that stuff. And so it's a bit about like the implications of technology and like wow. solving crimes and things like that. So it's kind of interesting. It's wow. called the the article was called The Telltale Heart. Nice. Uh, That's cool. Aptly named. Good job, Wired. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, um, my name is Jossie Kaufman. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jossie.com, which is spelled J-O-C-E-Y-D-O-T-C-O-M. And I'm on Letterboxd at Jossie. 
uh, and something that I've been enjoying in the past month is the music of Waxahachie. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah, uh, she did, she's a just one woman and Waxahachie is the name of her current project and she has some great albums. She did like something I've really missed in quarantine is live music. I really, especially living in LA, there's so many opportunities to see really great acts for not that much money. And I wanted to see her when she was touring her current album, St. Cloud, but she actually did this live concert on Noon Chorus, uh, where she played through her all of her albums throughout the month of July. Or maybe it was June. I think it was June. But I watched uh, her concert for St. Cloud. It was just her at a webcam playing through the whole album. And then she was joined by her boyfriend, Kevin Morby, at the end. And they played a song together. And I was just like, oh, wow, this is like almost it like made me feel like a live concert. But then like had the charm of something novel entirely where there was a chat room. So after songs, like everyone would like put clapping emojis and be like, <laughs> way That's to go. So and then she'd like read the comments and she'd be like, oh, um, you guys asked what I'm drinking. It's this non-alcoholic IPA I got from this. <laughs> it was very sweet. And so I would definitely say check out if you want to support any music acts that you like. Some of them are doing live concerts. And then I think you can even watch some of them after the fact, but just made me feel a little normal. And also her album, St. Cloud, is so good so yeah that's what i've been enjoying lately is the music of waxahachie very so nice. very cool check her out yeah i've only ever read the name i've never ever tried to say it out loud so <laughs> the cool thing is she does sing it in a song so oh nice, <laughs> nice. i think it's the name of a creek that she grew up by that's oh, okay. what i'm that's getting cool. from context clues so. so kind of like a jason derulo situation where she like shouts out her own name <laughs> <laughs> yeah waxahachie <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I um, there was on my release radar. I was listening to it this morning, and there was a cover. Yeah, it was a cover of Thirteen by Big Star by Bedouin Waxahachie and her Hooray for Riff Raff. Oh so, wow! Yeah, yeah, she does some good covers. I just uh, her voice is so pretty. It's like gritty and girlish at the same time. I think, and she's also just such like an incredible song- songwriter. She's like, it's been a while since I've had an album that I'll just replay listen to or just put on while I'm doing something else because I love each of the songs so much and that St. Cloud her newest one is definitely one of those for me very nice so big wreck (laughs) cool um well uh Jossie thanks so much for doing this yeah thanks for having me this is so nice nice to meet you both on zoom yes (laughs) very nice and um everyone thanks for listening and good night (laughs) 